And fellow craft beer drinkers, welcome to Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and with me, as always, is the homebrew engineer himself, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm drinking myself back to health. You know, you you always say craft beer keep you healthy. Um, That's right. I'm to get back on track. That's Both right. My boys got colds, and this time I got it. So. Oh, oh man. Okay, well, but it was short lived, though, right? You just, you just self-medicated with beer and now you're all better yeah just a couple of days so not too bad okay well you sound great and i'm glad that we were able we we had a minor delay of a of a night but hey it was worth it for me to delay the show so you were on your tip-top shape because this is going to be an exciting episode with a tasting and i want to make sure that your tasting is all up to par so that we give our listeners the best experience possible yeah, worried about shouldering that load. Yeah, yeah, because if it's just all me, then uh, it, it could be disastrous. But, but hey, let everyone know you are listening to episode 54, and John and I, we are recording this on Monday, August 15, 2016. And uh, this week, we are going to cover the German Kohlstyle L guidelines. That's our main topic for the show. And as well as do our tasting notes segment with the ballast point California Kolsch. So we encourage everyone out there, if you have a chance, go pick up the Ballast Point Kolsch and taste along with us and let us know uh, your opinions too. And of course, you can always count on the beer banter and discussions that John and I will throw your way because we just love chatting about beer. But before we get on to the meat of the show, is there uh, anything that's in your glass right now, John, that you want to let us know what you're drinking? Yeah, so I'm sticking with the Kolsch tonight. Okay. Uh, so I'm starting out with my own uh, crappy Kolsch. So I uh, brewed my latest rendition, and uh, <laughs> as what seems to happen every time I brew a Kolsch, uh, the temperature spikes, and I have trouble keeping uh, the temp down low where you need it for a Kolsch. Oh. Uh, so once again, my, my Kolsch is uh, rather fruity. Oh. So, I'm drinking my fruity Kolsch. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, the crappy fruity Kolsch. Now, this is not the first time you've you've brewed this Kolsch, but has it always been crappy? Has it always been named crappy Kolsch? Uh, no. I'm, I'm trying not to let that name stick. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I've brewed it a couple times, but, I mean, seriously, if you're ever, like, cold, just ask me to brew a Kolsch and the weather will turn around and... <laughs> be like 90 degrees so um i I think i'm just gonna shelve this one until uh the fall comes and i can handle the temps better uh but yeah okay as of now i'm going to power through 10 gallons of this oh my gosh Uh, it was a big batch too yeah thankfully uh other people don't seem to mind it as much as i do uh, which was the same as last time, but uh, I tend to be a h- pretty harsh critic on myself for, okay. for the beer. Okay. But. Well, you know, you'll probably still have a glass or two of that for me to try, and let me be a critic to say if it's good or bad when I come in a couple months. All right. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Okay. So how about you? Do you have something better, I hope? I do have something possibly better. I don't know. I haven't 
I don't remember if I've had your crappy Kolsch or not, but I'm, I'm going to say that it's probably not better, but it's, it's still not too bad. But I'm drinking some more of that Full Sail variety pack that I was sipping on last time we were talking. This time I'm drinking the Wheat Ale. I don't remember. Is that what I was drinking last time? I can't remember what I was drinking last time. I knew it was a full sale, but I think I was just drinking uh, the regular lager last time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was the wheat. Okay. Yeah, so this is the, the wheat. This is the first time uh, with this variety pack that I've actually had the, the wheat, and it's not bad. It's not the best wheat ale. It's a little bit, little bit um, uh, it, it's not, I don't know, it's kind of murky-ish, I guess. I'm trying to think of the word, but it's, it's kind of like it's not, you know, as crisp and, and uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's something that's just not right with it, but it's not bad. I mean, it's drinkable. It's drinkable, but I've definitely had much better wheat ales. Gotcha. And, and before the angry letters start pouring in, it was the cream ale. Mm. So. Very good, very good. Yeah, because you know we, you know that our our awesome listeners are going to catch everything that we say wrong. They usually do. So excellent. And uh, you know, John, I know you were a little bit under the weather uh, since we last recorded. But was there anything fun that you did? That you might want to just chat about. Uh, yeah. So I'll briefly mention uh, something I did while sick or on the way to getting sick, <laughs> um, which was we took the boys camping for the first time. Oh. Um, overnight. Uh, we, one night, just trial period, see how things went. You know, yeah. we didn't want to lock ourselves into uh, a couple horrendous nights if, if they just weren't digging it. Uh, but, but, you know, they, they liked it and they had a good time. And, uh, you know, the night wasn't great, but I think had they not been sick, uh, it would have been just fine. Uh, I think they were both just irritated from their own snotty mess. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but had fun by the fire, did some hot dogs over the fire and, okay. and stuff. And yeah. So, and once they went to bed, I got to enjoy some, some nice beers by the fire. So, you know what? I lo- that's the one thing I love about camping is just sitting, sitting back and throwing, throwing down some beers in front of the f- campfire, chatting with your wife or your friends and just enjoying the nice, you know, cooler, fresh, starry-nighted air out there. It's just fantastic. So I'm glad you guys got to experience that, and I'm glad the kids are now got one night under their belt. They know what to expect, and you can just start to move up and go for a two-nighter, maybe a week. You just build up that, that fun factor. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to try to get get out at least one more time before summer's over. So oh, wow. I think... Uh, Ambitious. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Summer's almost over, John. You don't have much longer to go. Well, I mean, we don't have school that we're competing with or anything like that. That's and true. That's true. We're all right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So how about you? What have you been up to? Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of working, but uh, I have been doing some fun stuff. In fact, uh, besides hanging out my, with my buddy Sean and drinking beer at his place or at my place, I've actually gone out with my friends at, from work. And this, In fact, Friday, we went out and, and had our normal after work Friday beers, but instead of going to Brewers Haven, we said we decided to go somewhere different. And I've been wanting to try this place since it opened a couple of years ago, and I just never have made it down there. And it's Whole Foods. I mean, I, we go to Whole Foods to buy some food, but I've never gone up to their little loft that they have. They have a little brew pub loft called the River Room. And every time that we're in there shopping, I just don't have time to go have a beer. Uh, well, you know, 
while I'm there. So we went and had beers there. I brought my daughter and her friend and a bunch of people from work, and we had a, a good time. We ate some mussels, steamed mussels. Up there they had a special where it's $5 for a big bowl of steamed mussels. So we had two bowls of those, and we snacked on that. And then we after we had a few beers, we decided, that, you know what, we're kind of hungry. That was a nice snack. Let's go to Tin Barrel and eat, eat some food and drink some more beer, and that's just what we did. We just took the party on down the road and enjoy some good tin barrel beers as well. So I just wanted to throw that out that, hey, there's some fun times to be had in Boise. So come come visit me and let's go. I mean, you, John, too, of course, are always welcome. But I'm telling my listeners out there, come visit. And if you're in Boise, which I know we have a few listeners in Boise, hey, hit me up. And if you're visiting Boise, hit me up and uh, let me go get a beer with you. I, I love to do that. Yeah, and that, not often you can plan to start your night at the grocery. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, all right. So, John, while you were camping or even between camping trips, did you were you able to go out and try some new beers that you want to talk about with our listeners? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, camping, we had some nice uh, Fremont and Rubens, both mm. in cans, which was awesome. But I'm not going to talk about those. Um, I'm going to talk about another uh, hoppy beer from a can, uh, which is, uh, Melvin, uh, IPA. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I mentioned I had some Melvin, uh, a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. uh, as they first started distributing out here, uh, and they're building a brewery in, in Washington too. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more because so far, uh, they're three for three. I think I've hit at least four caps on every single one. Yeah. Um, Because it's just awesome. Uh, So I've had their double IPA, their pale ale, and now their IPA. And it's a hit every time. They they just know their hops. So uh, if if you can find any of their their beers, I don't think you'll go wrong. So, um, but definitely shout out for, for them and their awesome hoppy beers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, now I have a funny story about Melvin. Now, Melvin just started delivering here in the Boise area a couple, few months ago, a couple months ago, and I really also enjoyed everything that, that I've had from him. But it was funny. On Twitter, you know, I follow Fort George uh, Brewery out of uh, Astoria, Oregon, mm-hmm. and uh, they tweeted uh, – actually, somebody like, – like a news feed tweeted – Melvin Brewing. They showed him bringing like a photo of it had a comment on Melvin Brewing, and then they had showed a photo of of a keg leaving their brewery and going into a truck to be delivered. And on the side of the keg, it said Fort George Brewery. <laughs> and then of course Fort George comments on him and says, "Hey, I think uh, I think that uh, that keg, you know, belongs to us." <laughs> What are you What are you doing with it? And they're like, uh, well, "I don't know how we got it." You know, they kind of play back and forth, but. It looked like there was a little bit of a uh, little bit of upsetness going on there with with keg keg uh, you know I wouldn't say stealing but uh, I don't know what do you call that keg borrowing and and uh, I don't know but I thought it was a funny little story that that they well, were were they uh, joking around because uh, Melvin was a part of the last three way IPA with Fort George so I wonder if they were. Oh. Just kidding around, and it was that or something. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's they were getting ready to 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because you're right. They're part of the three-way IPA, and uh, maybe that was just joking around. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. It's it looked <laughs> like it was pretty serious, but maybe they maybe it was joking around. But it wasn't like I don't think they were like totally pissed off. It was more of a they were making a comment, and then uh, yeah, it was just funny. I got a chuckle out of it, so I, I want to share it. <laughs> little little Melvin. Uh, trivia there. Yeah. Um, so my last two beers, I uh, visited a couple of breweries um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, one of which just opened up uh, within the last month over in Renton, and that's Four Generals. And uh, the beer I'm going to mention, I think you would really enjoy, Denny. Okay. Uh, Cascadian Dark Ale that just hits all your marks. Nice bitter roast, some nice hops. You know, I, I think uh, this is one that you, you would enjoy. And they've got a really uh, cool little space. Um, it's in the old city hall building. It's all brick. Um, and they've got nice wood bar top and tables and uh, everything. It's all mm. really well done throughout. Um, and, you know, pretty good beer. Okay. So, all right. Uh, we may have to head over there. Yeah. Visit. For sure. For sure. Sounds good. We can hit Black Raven, too, while we're over there. Sure. Aren't, aren't they in Renton too? No, they're in Redmond. Oh, oh, Redmond, Renton. They all sound the same. Yeah, Renton's, it's only like twenty-five miles. <laughs> yeah, but Renton's closer to you, right? It's right down yeah. the street from Kent. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the next one is one that you can stop at on your own. Yes. Um, when you're coming over the pass on your next visit, and that's Drew Brew. Yeah. Um, which is just right in the pass. Uh, awesome spot and uh. We went up there, and I don't think we had a bad beer. Oh, good. The six or seven that we tried. Um, but uh, this one I'll mention is their Summer Ale, which is uh, like their Belgian single, uh, which is just really nice, light, refreshing. Um, just a perfect amount of the yeast character without overdoing it in a, in a smaller beer. Uh, it was really well put together and awesome for for the summer. So, um, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, but they also had some good hoppy stuff and nice Schwartz beer and, oh. and they, they were hitting the marks on everything. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. I like a good Schwartz beer. Yeah. So it's another good one. Uh, they're starting to get around a little bit, uh, out here. Um, but, uh, definitely a cool, cool location for the brewery. So okay. worth, worth going in person. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. In October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a little colder up there then. It might be, yeah. You'll survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll bring my big, uh, my big jacket and my wool hat, my raccoon there skin you go. hat. Fit right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about you? What have you uh, had over the last couple of weeks? Well, I've had a, a bunch of stuff, but there's only really three beers that really stood out in the last two weeks, and they're all from the Boise area. So unless you're here, you got to come here, try them out. Well, maybe the maybe one of them you can get outside of Boise because they do distribute outside. But the first one is uh, Payette Brewing. I love Payette Brewing right here in the downtown Boise area. Just opened that new brewery, and this is a beer, John, that. Uh, no, never mind. This is a beer you haven't had. <laughs> this nope. is a, this is a beer that I had when I went to the Black Friday Beer Festival with my son on a Black Friday last year. 
And they had a, a whole flight of these, like a, or a, not flight. A whole, <laughs> I want to, I wish I had a whole flight, a whole, uh, vertical tasting of these from different years. So we went through and I tasted all of them, but, um, this was one that, um, I had the regular 12, eight, uh, 12 gauge Imperial stout, but I didn't have the barrel aged. Instead, I bought a bottle of the barrel aged 10 barrel Imperial stout. And, uh, you know, this is coming from the guy who said he's kind of over barrel-aged stuff. Well, two beers we're going to talk about are barrel-aged beers, so <laughs> just keep that in mind. Maybe I'm not over it yet. I'm over some of the extreme barrel flavors and whiskey and bourbon flavors, but I'm not over the, the you know, barrel altogether. Let me tell you this. This beer was perfectly aged, and it... Uh, it, it just, it was so smooth. It, when you put it to your nose, it smelled very strong, but when you drank it, that, that bourbon, um, that bourbon odor was just in aroma. The, it was actually very, very smooth, was not too boozy, very mellow for the 10 or 11% alcohol it was. Uh, fantastic beer. I doubt that anyone can find it right now because I, it was only being, unless they, unless they are, Keeping it in uh, in cellar and bringing it out, uh, I doubt it. I think these sold out pretty quick back in November. But uh, that's a great beer. So if your friend has one, ask to taste it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I gave that a perfect five on a tap. That's how good it was. So just keep that yeah, in mind. I might have to come out for some uh, Black Friday shopping. You know what? You are more than welcome to come to my place for Thanksgiving if you want. And we can just go out to Black Friday and, and celebrate, you know, you and the whole family. Actually, you know, Sarah and 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 Kristen and the kids can go out and uh, and shop, and we can just go drink yeah, okay. if you want. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> so the other beer that was barrel aged is from Tin Barrel, and I know Tin Barrel does get around. So maybe people will find this in your area, especially in Washington, maybe Northern California, and and of course in Oregon. So if you guys are in that area, or of course in Idaho, you you'll be able to find it. This is the Tin Barrel Jamaican Meat Pumpkin, and this isn't the same beer that we had last year, because I think we had this last year, John, when we were at the Pumpkin Beer Festival. I think, I'm pretty sure I had this beer before, but this one was special. They took, this is actually a three-year-old beer. They brewed it in 2014, aged it for a year, served it last year in 2015. Then they took some of the batch, and they put it into rum barrels, and aged it for another year, and now are just now selling it right now as a rum barrel aged pumpkin beer. And I'll tell you what, this beer is fantastic. The rum flavor comes out like it's uh, almost like a buttered rum type of a uh, of a flavor in the beer, and it's very very good. Again, another ten plus percent alcohol beer and i gave this one a, a four and a half rating so if you can find this one uh, i recommend it did they re-age it in rum barrels because in my note in untapped i said rum barrel aged and then that from the festival okay hold on let know. me get let me get the bottle hold on i'm really curious about the process okay i'm back so this says our brewers have been experimenting with the theory that you could age almost anything in a Jamaican rum barrel and it would taste great. After barrel aging this Imperial Pumpkin Ale for a full year, it turned out so good that we decided to continue the aging 
an additional year in the bottle. Well, oh, I see. With over 24 months in the cellar, this beer is naturally aged to perfection, which we could say the same for our brewers. You're right, John. They did not re... I think they, they took that beer and just put it in bottles and then... Just held it, on to it. Held on to it for a year, let it age oh. in the bottle. So it's not quite what I thought it was, but I'll tell you I, what. I was hoping it was what you thought it was because I was really curious about re-aging beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it... Yeah, that would be... I don't know. Yeah. I. But it does say, literally, it says... Uh, Brewed in 2014, bottled in 2015, and released in 2016. I should have just read the bottle because I would have been right right there. It would have told me that it was bottled and then aged another <laughs> year. So my, my bad. But, hey, go f- if you can find that beer, it's a little pricey, but it's worth it. And you'll get a good buzz after you drink it. And it's not boozy either. It's very, very smooth. And the last beer from Boise Brewing right here in downtown Boise. It's the Burn One Brown, and this is uh, kind of a unique brown ale, uh, unlike uh, other browns that I've had. It had a, a unique flavor. I don't really know how to explain. It just tasted good. It was different, and I drank it and gave it a four and a quarter rating. So um, come through Boise, give it a shot, and let me know what you think. But that's about all I had to say about that. Now, John... I know you've been busy drinking beer, so how are you doing? How is Team John doing in the uh, untapped uh, race for the stinks? Well, uh, with the just outpouring of support that I've been getting lately, you know, it's it's getting easier to, to gain ground on you. Uh, so I picked up another 12 unique, so I'm just 61 behind now. Oh, wow. So Wow. Yeah. Making uh, some solid progress. There's, okay. there's actually hope now that I might actually do this by the end of the year. You know? <laughs> uh, a couple months ago, that wasn't really the case. I'd pretty much tread water for six months. So <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. I'm slowing down because, uh, I, I don't know, I must be in a rut. But don't worry, festivals are coming. I've got, uh, I got three festivals coming up in a, in a you know, month and a half time frame. Oh. So don't worry. I'm going to be hitting up the Great Bumpkin Beer Festival with you in the uh, end of Oct- or in the first week of October. I've got the Boise Brewing uh, Hoptober Festival, the fresh hop one I went to last year. It's coming back again. And I've got the Ten Barrel IPA Beer Wars again, uh, which is happening here in, in September. So I've got uh, three uh, different little Mini, you know, couple, one mini festival and two big festivals that I'll be amping up my numbers. Nice. Well, at least, yeah, at least one of those I can uh, stick around, stick with you, you know. Yeah, yeah. My uh, goal this time is to sample all of your beers and then get all different beers for myself and log them all. And yeah, and, and not <laughs> let me have any of those, right? <laughs> and not share with you any of the beers I have. There, there's a, there, yeah. that works. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? We had a little bit of feedback from our last episode, and I'll start off with the first one. It's from our buddy Tim Price. He wrote on our Facebook page, or a wall, in response to all of my toasts that I've been giving him on Untapped, all his check-ins. And he has visited, he's on vacation, he's been visiting a bunch of breweries, trying a bunch of beers, and it just made me smile, 
and just have to prop him up by toasting him and writing comments on his untapped because I'm, I know, it just makes me happy to see how Tim is, has really grown and, and broadened his beer drinking uh, experiences and, and trying a bunch of stuff. Some things work out well and some things don't, but hey, that's the name of the game. You're not always going to win every time that you try a beer. But uh, I just, uh, I guess he had his, uh, on his phone, he had it set up so that every time that uh, a toast or a comment was done, it would it would ping his phone. I think his wife must have thought he had a mistress that was uh, bugging him one <laughs> night. Cause, <laughs> so he he had a comment on our wall, just just uh, tell him telling us that I was tearing up his his phone that night because of all the the check ins. And but hey, that's that's what I do. I like to I like to be active on on tap when I can. Yeah, not not a mistress, mistress, just a a bearded man. Yeah, yeah. So now he needs to learn to turn those uh, notifications off. Uh, you can still show them on your phone, just don't make a noise. So that, uh, you know, that's what I do. I turn my noise maker off so I don't get, you know, because every time it goes off, I only say that because that's what Sarah says. Oh, you, oh, you're getting you getting messages from your girlfriend. I'm like, no, nah, it's just John. Like, no, that's just my buddy Adam, or you know, the norm, or it's it's on tap. At first it was on tap, so I turned the buzzer off so she wouldn't even know it was uh, going off because I didn't want her thinking that I really had a, you know, something else going on there. <laughs> but she could look and see that it's just a bunch of untapped stuff. I get about 20 a night, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. John, what about the next one? Take our, our next feedback. Yeah, so the next one is very special to me, and that's our buddy Chris McKenzie. He's uh, repping Team John all over uh, untapped. Uh, from from untapped for the distinct check-in uh, contest, he's mm-hmm. putting it up on Facebook and Twitter, um, just pouring in the support for the conquering of the evil Denny. Yeah, so. that's hashtag Team John. If you want to participate in supporting John, or you can hashtag Team Denny. Uh, yeah. I, I'm low on the on the support <laughs> out there, so I could use some help. Just prop me up. <laughs> And everybody likes the underdog, you know. That's true. That's not gonna, not gonna support you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just kind of easing you in and making it seem like, oh yeah, I got this made. I've got this made, and then boom, I'm gonna go up a hundred on you again. Just, yeah, just wait. You think so? Yeah, it happened last time. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you're for real this time. You're not slowing down. Yeah, maybe I was messing with you before. Yeah, okay. that, that? Yeah, yeah, that could be. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, you, you you lulled me into a nice, safe place. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you guys for those feedback. Uh, we didn't have any listener questions. But that's okay. You guys don't have to ask questions every two weeks. You know, we're okay. We got plenty to talk about without questions. But hey, if you want to ask us, go ahead and ask us. We love answering questions. And if you want to send those questions our way, you can do it pretty easily. You can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or like uh, our buddy Chris McKenzie does on Twitter at tapthecraft and like our buddy Tim Price did, you can do it on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. So send all your comments and uh, feedback to those addresses. Now we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com and if you enjoy the content that John and I put out then, we know that you will enjoy all the other great shows that can be found on the OFRN, OFRN network, like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, 
And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpaFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. It's now time for our Brew Buzz segment. And what is the Brew Buzz? Well, it is all about talking about different topics, beer-related topics, mostly. And uh, this week, we are going to discuss the German Kolsch-style guidelines. And let's give a little background on this, and we'll go right into to what this beer is all about, this beer style. Because it's really helpful, because we'll be drinking a Kolsch-style ale uh, after this uh, this uh, brew buzz segment. So you'll be all prepared to understand what we're tasting. Maybe so, I'll learn something on how to fix mine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This There's some interesting stuff in here. So just to let everyone know, we're using the, and I didn't write it down this time, so the Beer Judging Competition Program? B- Almost. Beer you, got, you got the letters right. Ah, Beer Judge Certification Program. Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines for 2015. I am never, ever going to remember that. I Just just go BJCP, and then you don't have to worry about Yeah, but I get can, BJ, I got to think of, okay, Blowjob CP. Okay, I can remember that. BC, <laughs> BJCP. I, I get those letters mixed up. I just can't get it in my head. All right, we're, going, we're using the 2015 style guidelines, and this beer falls within the Pale Bitter European Beer category. And this category describes German origin beers that are pale and have an even to bitter balance with a mild to moderately strong hoppy character that feature classic German hops. They are generally bottom fermented or they are lagered to provide a smooth profile and are well attenuated as most German beers are. So, uh, when doing this research, I had to, you know, there's some things in the style guidelines that caught my interest. So I wanted to research this more. So I, there's a, there's a, a website that's just all about German beers. And I forget the name of the, of the, like the German Beer Institute or something like that.com or something. You know what? You have any idea what that website is, John? Have you visited it? German Beer Institute or something? No. No? Okay. Well, I've gone a couple times to this website when I've had questions on German type beers that I want to answer and they, they always have some really good information. Well, I wanted to find out what they meant by this Kolsch convention that they're, is it convention? Kolsch. Yeah. Convention that they're talking about, which is basically this. The Kolsch is a controlled substance. Yes. You're hearing me. It's like a narcotic. It's controlled by the Germans. They won't let anyone call Kolsch a Kolsch unless they fit into their, guidelines, which I thought was very interesting. So I wanted to find out more about this. So the Kolsch is one of the few beer styles nowadays with a regional appellation similar to the appellation de origine controlé that is used uh, in wine, for wine. It says the Kolsch appellation is recognized by the German government, which means that it's only about two dozen brewers that are located in Cologne, and its immediate vicinity may legally call their beers Kolsch. These breweries originally got together in 1948 
to create a formal association called the Kolsch Convention, established for the sole purpose of preserving the quality and uniformity of the style and to keep the style from being brewed by distant imitators. Wow. Serious, man. They don't want their Kolsch, you know, crappy Kolsch. Is, you know, they want to make sure that the Kolsch is a Kolsch and not anything else. So only a, you know, a handful or two handfuls of beers can can really be called the true Kolsch's. Did you know yeah, that, John? Uh, yeah, I did. Um and it's just, you know, more beer laws from Germany. You know, they're very serious about uh, what their beer is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have things called Kolsch here, but they are under the, you know, legislative power of Germany. So, Yeah, well, and can, what's, what's interesting, though, is that I always wondered why most of the beers that are brewed here are called uh, Kolsch German. Like, not really Kolsch Kolsch. It's, it's called, like, German's, German ale Kolsch style L or something, they don't really call it like the Kolsch, right? Most of the German Kolsch is just called Kolsch and then it has a brewery name. Yeah, some some will uh, do something like that uh, just out of ref- or respect. Yeah, respect for the, the style and the, yeah. the Germans. Similar to Lambic. A Lambic is yeah, another one. That's is, true, yeah. Uh, only uh, can be um, produced from that region. And it's just it's the same thing as uh champagne and sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, the exact same. Okay. So. Okay. Well, John, why don't you lead us off in our Kolsch discussion? All right. So, overall impression for Kolsch, a clean, crisp, delicately balanced beer, usually with a very subtle, very subtle. Mm. You don't want very much fruit okay. in there. Okay. Uh, and hop character. Um Subdued maltiness throughout leads into a pleasantly well attenuated and refreshing finish. Freshness makes a huge difference with this beer, as the delicate character can fade quickly with age. And brilliant cl- clarity uh, is characteristic. That's true. So, That's true. I- I'll agree with the brilliant clarity. Actually. Yeah, I think overall it's very refreshing, easy to drink, malty beer. All right. So. All right. Well, that, that's a good overall impression. The aroma, we're going to go right into the, that odor, what we're smelling. I don't want to say odor. I don't, that's a bad <laughs> word to use, right? That's usually a negative connotation. The, the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the aroma is uh, low to very low malt aroma with a grainy sweet character, which is interesting. It has a pleasant, subtle fruit aroma from fermentation. And they say it's usually something either with an apple, cherry, or pear. Now, it's interesting that uh, they list that because, uh, interesting, uh, they say that if you have those flavors, that's acceptable, but not always present. You don't always have to have that fruity flavor in there. It can be a good colch without having that, that fruitiness. Mine um, has the apple. Yours? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Just too much apple, though. If you've, Just tone the apple yeah. down a little bit. Be okay. Yeah. It says you can also have a low floral, uh, spicy or herbal hop aroma. Uh, it says it's optional, but not out of style. So, man, yeah, you can have it. Some yeast strains may give a slight whiny or sulfury character. I don't want to have sulfury character in my Kolsch if I can help it. Uh, this characteristic is also optional, but not a fault. So if you do have those, it's uh, it's actually could be uh, part of the of the beer uh, that, that was the brewer was trying to get, or it could be a fault. But you never know. You can't you can't fault it for it. And overall, the intensity of the Aromatics is fairly subtle, but generally balanced, clean, and fresh. 
Yeah, so the appearance, uh, very pale gold to light gold. And as I mentioned, very clear. The authentic commercial versions are filtered to a brilliant clarity. Ah. It has a delicate white head that may not persist. Oh, interesting. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, mine's not so clear either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to, you have to get the centrifuge out and uh, (laughs) clean that stuff up. I, you know, I'm not going to accept, you know, milky, milky cultures. That's just not right. I'll dock you if you want. (laughs) Not not quite milky, thank goodness. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, the flavor is going to probably mimic some of the stuff that we're going to get in the aroma. So it says it's going to be a soft, rounded palate comprised of a delicate flavor balance between soft yet attenuated malt and almost imperceptible fruit sweetness from fermentation. There's going to be a medium to low medium bitterness and a delicate dryness and slight crispness to the finish, but no harsh aftertaste. No harsh aftertaste, okay? The malt tends to be grainy sweet and possibly has a very light bready or honey quality. The hop flavor is variable. It can range from low to moderately high. Most are medium-low to medium intensity and have a floral, spicy, or herbal character. And uh, we may have a multi-sweet impression at the start, but this is not required. No noticeable residual sweetness. It's, it's a key. You don't want to have that, uh, that cloying sweetness in the background after you drink this thing. Uh, you may also have a slight whiny or minerally or sulfury accent that accentuates the dryness and flavor balance. And a slight wheat taste is rare, but not a fault. Otherwise, it's very clean. Yeah. So, uh, mouthfeel. Medium light to medium body, uh, but most are medium light. And medium to medium high carbonation. And uh, smooth and generally crisp and well attenuated. So, some general comments. Uh, It's characterized in Germany as a top fermented lagered beer. Um, so done with ale yeast, but, uh, at a lower temperature than most ales, um, but not quite as low as lagers, but then it is put through a lager phase of cold aging. Mm -hmm. Um, and each clone brewery, uh, produces a beer of different character and each interprets the Kolsch convention slightly differently. Mm. Um, which is kind of interesting since they made that convention. Yeah. Specific, right? Preserve the style (laughs) and, um, you know. Not let it stray. Uh, drier versions may seem hoppier or more bitter uh, than what you might see in IBUs on the bottle. Mm. Um, due to its delicate flavor profile, Kolsch tends to have a relatively short shelf life. Uh, and older examples and imports can easily show oxidation defects. Wow. And that's one of those things we talked about that uh, some of these beers just don't have a lot to hide behind when things go wrong. Yeah. So when, when, uh, off flavors show up, they, they're really apparent. Yeah. And uh, in Cologne, it's served in a tall, narrow, 200 milliliter glass called a Stang. Yes, for sure. All right. So, just some more, some history on this beer. Again, I, I guys, I told you guys that when I was doing this research, I, it really caught me, you know, some interesting stuff. And here's the history was, was kind of part of that interesting uh, thing I wanted to research more. So, in, in Cologne, uh, Germany, it's a top fermenting brewing tradition since the Middle Ages, but developed the beer known, uh, now known as the Kolsch in the late 1800s to com- combat encroaching bottom fermenting pale lagers. So, kind of interesting. So, it's been a tradition since the Middle Ages. So, hey, 
you can't go wrong, right? It's been around for a long time. It's got, they got to know what they're doing. The Kolsch is an uh, appellation protected by the Kolsch Convention, 1986, is restricted to 20 or so breweries around uh, Cologne. The convention simply defines the beer as a light, highly attenuated, hop-accentuated, clear, top-fermenting Volbeer. The Volbeer is the uh, alcohol level, right? I mean, uh, no. What's the Volbeer mean again? I forgot to look that up. Um, Gosh. Germanbeerinstitute.com. It's, uh, it's pronounced full beer. Oh, full beer. Yeah, which means full or entire beer. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I want a whole beer. I want a full beer. Don't give me no half beer. Yeah, okay. uh, usually between three and five point three percent alcohol by volume. Okay, I, okay, full beer. Yeah, instead of being like a smaller, I, I thought it had to do with the alcohol content. So it's a full alcohol content versus a. There was another word that was for like a, a not as much alcohol. I, I know we talked about this before, but after two years of recording, I can forget some things. So. But, hey, I knew we talked about it before. All right. Yeah. I, I don't remember what the other one is. It's It's got to be less than full beer. Nine <laughs> <laughs> full beer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John, how about some ingredients? What What are the typical ingredients that we're going to find in a Kolsch-style ale? So, in a Kolsch, uh, it's going to be all Germany-related uh, ingredients. So, you want... Traditional German hops like Hallertau, Tetnang, Spalt, or Herzbrucker. Uh, for malt, uh, German pills or pale malt. Um, and then, uh, like we mentioned, attenuative clean ale yeast. You want mm-hmm. that yeast to dry it out, not leave uh, a lot of um, residual sugar there. And you don't want it to give its own character like a, a bi- big fruit bomb. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah, no fruit bomb. No apple, um, apple yeah. jack going on here. Yeah, no, no <laughs> respected brewer would ever make a beer like that. Um, it's up to 20% wheat malt may be used, uh, but this is quite rare in authentic versions. And uh, current commercial practice is to ferment warm, cold condition for a short period of time, and serve young. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Ferment warm, then cold condition. So basically they just they get all the fermentation done, to the most get the most that that sugar out, and then they just do like a cold shock to it. Is that what they're doing? Uh, no, they'll they'll store it um, cold, like uh, forty degrees, or or even lower, like thirty five, for probably two to four weeks. Oh, really? Put it on tap. Yeah. Oh, okay. What does that do for the beer? As far as I mean, when you ferment it out, you ferment it warm, and that's when all the use is working. Now, when they're storing it at a colder temperature for four weeks, is it is the yeast still working, or is it pretty much dead and it's just kind of settling for for that time? I mean, what, what's the purpose of cold conditioning? Uh, so cold conditioning will get a lot of um, other things out of the beer. Um, Oh. You know, a lot of particulate and other stuff will drop out. Okay. Uh, I know lager yeast are conditioned, and they, they will continue to work um, at that lower temperature just very slowly. Uh, I imagine Kolsch yeast may have over time, you know, adapted to that and may also still be, you know, doing a slow cleanup after itself. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense now that that if it – Cold conditions, then it's going to clean it. It's going to clean it up and make it more of that clear that they're looking for, probably in, in a, in a non-technical or 
uh, machine type way because I, I don't think in the Middle Ages they had they had ways of uh, you know of getting out that getting making it clear on their own. They had to just let it set in the cellar and then get pictures of it just, out. <laughs> just put it through your sock. Yeah, <laughs> filter through your or your beard. I think my beard yeah. could be a good filter filter out that stuff. All right. Well, you know what? What other what what is this beer mistaken for so often? What did I mistake it for so often? I'll tell you what. To the untrained taster like myself, it's easily mistaken for a cream ale or somewhat subtle pills. And I could swear, years ago when I'd have a Kolsch, I could swear it was a pilsner because that's how most of the Kolsches tasted back in that time, as far as I could tell. It tasted like a pilsner. Now with my more trained palate. I can definitely taste a difference, and I really do appreciate a Kolsch Ale versus a Pilsner. And I am appreciating Pilsners a lot more now, but I can now ta- taste the distinct difference in those two myself. But Cream Ale, uh, I think Kolsch has a little bit more flavor. To me, it has a little bit more flavor than the Cream Ale does, so I can maybe tell those apart too. But Yeah, you yeah can... it won't have that corniness that sometimes true. associated with Cream Ale. Yeah, yeah, it won't have the corniness. That's true. And the the vital statistics, it's going to be between 18 and 30 IBUs, and you're going to have a alcohol by volume of between 4.4 and 5.2% ABV. And, of course, John, I left a fun part for you. What oh. are some commercial <laughs> examples of a real, true German Kolsch? Yeah, so you're taking the fun away from people <laughs> listening to you stumble over all these German uh, brewery names. Uh, so yeah, so they're all just called Kolsch and, uh, <laughs> it's the Fru Kolsch, Gaffel Kolsch, Molen Kolsch, Reisdorf Kolsch, Sion Kolsch, and the Sooner Kolsch. Oh, you nailed it. Every one. Perfect, John. Now, uh, have you had any of those Kolsches? No. Me neither. I have not. It's I our don't... mission now to at least have one of these on a list. Should we tack Cologne onto our road trip that we started planning last week? <laughs> <laughs> for sure you know it we gotta, yeah. we gotta do that trip there's a bridge or something over there right <laughs> yeah you yeah. can just keep on driving yeah just keep on driving alright well that is the style notes that's our brew buzz I hope that that was entertaining and informative to everyone and get ready because in just a minute we're gonna start our tasting notes on our own Kolsch alright everyone we're back and it's time for our tasting notes segment. Go grab your California Kolsch from Ballast Point Brewing and pop it open. Let's open these beers, John. Oh, that was wimpy for me. Oh, that was nice and strong. Now we're pouring our beers into our glass. Nice pour. Not all over my keyboard. It's always a positive thing. Yeah. Okie doke. <laughs> Hopefully it's you're a, good too with the uh, nice nice goals in life, not to pour your beer all over your keyboard. Well, that's happened that one time. I opened that beer and it blew up on me. That was like yeah. our uh, arrogant. No, was it arrogant bastard? Was the last one we did that blew up on me? I... No, it wasn't the arrogant bastard. I don't think. No, no, I can't. I can't remember which one it was. But no, no problem, no problem. All right, everyone. Now we got our beers poured. Just let you guys re- just a reminder: we're doing the California Kolsch from Ballast Point Brewing. They're out of San Diego, California, and they call this a German style pale, which is what it says right here on the bottle: German style pale ale. But it's kind of brewed in a Kolsch style. It's five point two percent alcohol by volume, 
It has 23 international bittering units, IBUs, 23 IBUs. So it's uh, very low. And it comes in a variety of package options. I'm drinking it out of a 12-ounce bottle. It also comes in 12-ounce cans, 22-ounce bottles, and, of course, if you're lucky enough, you can get it on draft uh, if it's available. So, John, how are you drinking yours tonight, from a can or a, or a bottle? I have a 12-ounce bottle. Okay. Excellent. Me too. Same thing. All right, John. So we have poured our beers, and uh, what can you say about the color of your beer? Uh, yellow. Yellow, yeah. <laughs> little, little golden, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, a lot of bubbles coming up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, mine's mostly clear. It's got a little bit of a haze to it. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think, you know, I, I agree. It's, it's a fairly clear little bit. It's not as... As clear as they say the style line should be, if it's going to be, you know, br- it's not brilliantly clear. It's pretty clear. I wouldn't say hazy, but pretty clear. It is golden honey color. Yeah, lots of bubbles for sure. Now, I think it helps the glass I'm drinking it out of has a nice laser-etched bottom, so that helps promote those bubbles. But uh, it's, it's not too bad. It's, it's still, I think even if it didn't have that, it still has some good bubbles. Yeah, my glass isn't etched, and I have a lot of bubbles. Okay, so. good, good. Now, how about the head? Did your head last a little bit, or did it dissipate pretty quick? And what color were you seeing? I was white, and the uh, head just didn't last. Not so. Yeah. Okay. It, it was about a finger, and then just went away. Yeah. But there's some light lacing starting just from me moving it around so far. Yeah, so um, I bought a six-pack of this. So I've been tasting this for a while, trying to get my notes, you know, f- you know just toned in a little bit. And it's hard, hard to get tuned in. But I've had a variety of different things happen with this beer. I've had the head that would be a one-and-a-half-finger head, a very tight, white, bubbly, creamy head that would stay there for about a minute and then die down. And then I had, like, the beer I just poured just now. Uh, this thing, uh, literally, the head was, like, maybe a half a finger and then died, like, immediately. Same with the lacing. The lacing on, like, the last beer I drank earlier today that I, I sampled, the lacing was pretty thick. It was sticking to the sides of the glass. This one, um, it shows up, but it kind of like falls apart pretty pretty quick. So that's a little bit of variety. Maybe it's the glass. It could be the glass, you know, the cleanliness. Uh, it could be that I just drank a wheat beer and I just washed this glass out, um, you know, before I poured the beer. Maybe I still had some water in there and didn't, didn't really, uh, you know, work as well but hey that's what we're getting there now john how about your nose what do you what do you uh what do you smell not much these days um (laughs) (laughs) uh so i i did get a hit of sulfur when i first cracked the bottle open oh wow um, but that went away by the time i'd finished pouring um so uh that was fleeting uh, but now um getting uh, a bit of cracker, uh, malt uh, character, uh, but not a whole lot right now. I don't know if that's because it's subtle or I'm just still a uh, little, little plugged up. Okay. No, no, no. I understand. I, I don't, you know what? Um, I'm not, when I, you know, I don't know sulfur. I hear people 
mentioned that when you first open a beer that sometimes you'll get sulfur out of it. I guess I don't sniff my beer fast enough to really be able to, to grab it. Now, were you getting that out of the bottle when you opened it or after you poured it? Uh, immediately when I cracked it. Oh, okay, um, okay. And then as I started to pour, it was there, but it had gone away by the time I finished and set the bottle down. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't get any uh, sulfurish, but I wouldn't know what to even, I mean, if it, unless it smells like a fart, which could be my cat. Or something I don't know. Maybe that's. Uh, but I do. I do. <laughs> you just you just always got to crack your beer open right under your nose. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. So it blows up and fills my nose with foam. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, I am getting a little sweetie maltiness uh, character to it, and I just uh, I just added that it kind of maybe graham crackery. Um, just trying to put put something to it. I, I, the graham cracker just came to me just before. You know, while I was sniffing at this time, uh, earlier in the day when I was trying to come up with some notes, the gra- it was sounding like a sweet maltiness, but I couldn't come up with what I was smelling. But I, I say graham cracker. And yeah, I get graham cracker out of a lot of things that have Pilsner malt, so okay. I wouldn't be surprised if that, okay. that's what's there. And um, I also get a little bit of, of citrus, uh, either, you know, like a, maybe a spritz of uh, lemon or some kind of citrus, not necessarily orange, but some kind of... Uh, multi citrusy type thing, maybe a lemon lime thing. Uh very very faint and and maybe some fruitiness in the in the malt in the uh, yeast. Maybe there's uh something in there. Now it's it's hard to for me to pinpoint that. So let's take a sip and see what we can taste because maybe this will answer some questions for us. So I still get a lot of the cracker mm-hmm. bready malt um character in there. I'm getting something else, but I'm having trouble putting my finger on it right now. I'll have to drink some more. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get a cracker, either a cracker, maybe some kind of a, of a, um, a thicker dough, like a bread doughy thing. Um, and here's where I laughed when we were doing the, when we were talking about the, the uh, guidelines is that it's mentioned you could have a little bit of fruit in there, not, you know, not. It's optional to have fruit in there, and I don't know what it is with me and pears, but it seems like almost every little delicate beer that I drink nowadays, I taste pear in it. And pear is what I get out of this is a little bit of a of a fruitiness, but it's so subtle and so light that it just reminds me of, of a pear because pears are light and subtle, in my opinion. So that's what I'm going to call that. So I think, I'm, I think that what I'm getting is a very light like uh floral earthy hop kind of thing going on. Um, I can see that. I can see back, the floral. Yeah, the floral. Back for sides sure. of my tongue back there. Yeah, I can see floral. Floral is a, a good one. Okay. Um, how about the body? Uh, I, I, I'll start with this one. Um, it's, not, uh, over, it's not as carbonated as, as I uh, would think with all the bubbles we were seeing. I thought I'd get more carbonated. It seems to be just right in the carbonation, so I'm not – doesn't definitely not overcarbonated. To me, it's it's a lighter body, maybe inching towards the uh, you know maybe a light medium, uh, not full medium, but maybe light medium. Maybe it's inching up there to a little bit, you know, a uh, little bit bigger body. And uh, definitely seems to be. And again, this is against the style guidelines, but to me, it seems like it leaning definitely more to the multi side than the than the hoppy side. So as far as balance between the malt and the hops. Maybe a little bit more on the multi side, but not you know, but not bad. It's it's uh, enjoyable. What about your body? 
Oh, my body's rocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw you with no shirt but, uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I would actually say this is a medium body with hmm. medium high carbonation. Um, it, it, the bubbles are dancing all over my tongue um, hmm. when I take a drink. Uh, so I, I would say this is in that medium high, um, which, you know, is acceptable in the style. Okay. Um, but I, I think that's a dry multi finish. Uh, a dry multi, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't stick around. It wipes away, you know, right away. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I will agree with that. That's what I'm tasting. I just didn't know how to call it the correct thing. Sure, right. It's a, it's a multi, but dry, and nothing's lingering really on and, and too much. Except, now that I say that, the finish, it does give me a little bit. If I have anything to say about the finish, I do get a little bit of aftertaste of that cracker or dough, doughiness. Um, I don't have any bitterness that I can perceive. Uh, and it, it does, it finishes dry. So that's my finish. How about your finish? Is that, uh, your finish just gone? Is there anything in there in that finish? Uh, well, I, I, as I swallow, I get a lot of that bread dough, breadiness, um, character, but it wipes away real mm-hmm. fast. So, uh, n- nothing lingering. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, that, this is a pretty easy tasting. Um, it's pretty straightforward for the most part, but, now that we get done with the what are we you know all of our typical stuff, we always like to ask whether or not we would give this beer to someone new to craft beer, and I, I'm going to say for sure. I think anyone who wants to try craft beer, they could definitely drink this beer, and I think they would find it enjoyable. How about you, John? Do you think newbies to craft beer would find this enjoyable? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Although I do, uh, I laugh every time. Uh, you know, I think Kolsch is a pretty approachable style. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I remember when my my brother was first venturing into craft beer, and I recommended him to drink a Kolsch, and he's like, you know, I had a Kolsch, it's way too bitter. <laughs> uh, which you know, it it is when you're coming from you know a lot of the lighter macro beers, you know, that don't have any uh, bitterness, but. You, you know, you don't think of it that way after you had a bunch of craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all it's all relative, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I think this is a, a good place to start. It's I think it's a good way to ease the transition. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah, I, I think for sure that yeah, it's a good transition. It gives some flavors. Not it's not going to overwhelm either side of the palate. You know, not going to be too bitter. It's not going to be too sweet. It's going to be flavored that they can enjoy and say, yeah, this is this is not too bad. So yeah, I agree. Now, the glassware, we've already talked about the proper glassware, which is a Stang, uh, or you can use a Pilsner glass, but, of course, the Stang is the correct glass. That's the glassware I am using right now. John, I, I assume you're using the same, your Stang? Uh, I'm using my Willy Becker. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> you didn't use the right glassware? Oh, no. damn. I, you know what? I'm going to have to find a new co-host because that's just not right. Oh, man, axed right before I make my three-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you this time because, you know what, I've used the wrong glass too. It's not, But, hey, you know what, any glassware will do. Um, but if you want to enjoy the, the effervescence and the clarity of this beer uh, and what the style has to give you, then, hey, try to find a glass that, that will you know, be a good profile, a long tall glass 
that uh, that will show off that stuff. It, it's worth it. All right, John. I'm going to rate this a recommended daily drinker beer. I could drink this pretty much every day and enjoy it as my go-to easy drinking beer. How about you, John? How do you rate this? I could see it getting there. Uh, right now when I'm sick and stuff, I'm not really getting the full experience, I don't think. It's more to the average for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I if I wasn't plugged up and maybe these flavors and aromas are, you know, a little more present than I'm actually picking up, uh, I can see it getting to that point because it's, it's still easy to drink. Um, okay. But, yeah. No, no so, problem. So, somewhere in there for me. Yeah, yeah. It's so we're we got a recommended and an average. You know, average is hey, drink it when you feel like something drinkable. Hey, this is a drinkable beer, and and it's worth uh, drinking when you uh, just want to down a few beers quickly. I mean, these things go down fast. They don't, uh, you know, you don't have to sip them and and take your time. You can just gulp them. Uh, what do they call that when you uh, when you drink beers fast? Uh, when you, uh, oh gosh, I'm 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 losing my uh, crush. You could crush it. It's crushable. crushable. Yeah, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Crushable. So you can definitely crush. Them. All right. So some additional information on this beer from Ballast Point. The malts they said they use American and German malts. Wow. Well, yeah. Very very specific. Yeah. Thank you. And of course the hops. <laughs> hey, they use German hops. Oh well. Thank you, Ballast Point. You guys are so generous to tell us. That you use German hops. Well, we could have read the style guidelines and known that. Come on. Oh, not everybody does follow that, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They could be, yeah. But at least they use German malts and German hops. That's, I mean, they're following style. And they did provide a few food pairings. That if you want to enjoy some food while drinking this beer, you could eat some pickled beet salad. Yuck. Um, some honeycomb or some huevos rancheros. Wow, I would have never thought of chowing down some uh, some Mexican egg dish while uh, while drinking a beer. But you know what? I think I could eat. Why some. not? Yeah, why oh, that not? Sounds great to me. <laughs> it does sound good, but I never it never crossed my mind that I want. But I think this would be a good beer for that. So I think they got the food pairings, you know, pretty good. I don't know if I'd want to eat honeycomb and this because I think that's too too similar of things. I think that sweetness of the honeycomb might be a little much for the for the maltiness might just come across a little bit, you know, too much, I think. But I think the, I, and I don't like beets at all, so I wouldn't eat the beets out, but I think the huevos rancheros is a good choice. There we go. Well, hey, listeners, let us know if you tried this beer along with us and your take on it. Just leave us feedback on you know where. All right, John, you provided us with a news article, and this is something that hits close to home to you. And, uh, I mean, I'll let you run base on it, but I'll just say it's, uh, the, the, it's from the Seattle Times. And it's the, the article is, Seattle's pioneering Red Hook beer soon won't be brewed in Woodenville. And uh, I, I read this after you sent it to me uh, a couple days ago, and I thought it was pretty interesting. You want to highlight the, uh, the, the gist of the whole story? Yeah. So, I mean, the big thing is that uh, Red Hook's about to be an import. Uh, <laughs> At least to Washington, um, they're going to import it from from Oregon. Um, but the the craft uh, beer alliance is uh, kind of consolidating all of their brewing um, down into Oregon, uh, along with uh, Kona and uh, Whitmer. 
Yep. Um, so uh, they're going to use the brewery up in Woodenville for all contract brewing. Yeah. Um, which uh, also from this, I learned that's where they are uh, um, re- reinvigorating the Paps brand. They're yeah. doing the contract brewing for for that, like the new Rainier uh, Pale Ale. Yeah. Uh, which I I'd seen was being brewed in Washington, but I didn't know who was doing that. So, uh, but it makes sense. They've got the, the facility big enough to to handle something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I think the, the other really, uh, interesting thing to me was that, uh, of the, the three main brands in the craft beer alliances that Kona yeah. is the one that is, uh, really pushing beer right now. Yeah. Um, more than Red Hook and Widmer. Combined. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I found so, interesting. More was, than combined. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and I part of it, I wonder if, you know, a lot of people that are coming into craft beer see Kona and they're like, oh, a beer from Hawaii without yeah. realizing that it's all brewed in Oregon. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, either way, they, they've got something to work in there. But that uh, that one I was very surprised about. Yeah, so. I agree. That that surprised me. I think that the – now, what I hear – I've the Kona, the Kona brand beers are okay. They're nothing special. They make a variety pack that has some drinkable beers, but they they don't they don't you know draw me in like other breweries do. But what I hear is that the beer that's brewed here is not the same as the beer that's actually brewed on the island, the big island where Kona Brewing is at. That I you know I have a, a coworker and friend that goes to Hawaii every year, and he's gone to each of the islands twice already. And he says that the beer over, in, you know, at the brewery is so much better than what you can get in the states. So, I mean, that doesn't hurt that you're sitting in Hawaii either. That's true. Yeah. So maybe it's just the atmosphere <laughs> that does it. I mean, that, that could be that could be it. But uh, yeah, I am also surprised. I I'm kind of saddened because I absolutely love Windmere Brothers beer, and it seems like I am getting less and less of it every year that goes by, and that is breaking my heart. Because I don't want to lose all that stuff they were doing. All the, I mean, they were bringing a lot of beer in our area, and now I just don't see as much. I mean, they send in the the the, the regular stuff that's you know the the mainstream stuff, but they don't send the special stuff anymore, and and that's a little frustrating. So now you think with all that burr that you buy, that they would be sure to keep the Boise pipeline. I know, open. I know, yeah. I've. I mean, at least I haven't got rid of my burr. I mean, I wouldn't be able to live during winter without at least a f- couple cases. I mean, a minimum. I'd have to do run a convoy. <laughs> yeah, need <laughs> yeah, uh, my convoy. So, all right, John. Well, hey, that was interesting news. I had no idea that was going on until you sent that article to me. That was some local news to you, and uh, it was interesting. It's interesting that they're gonna, you know, transfer all their their home their, their regular you know, Red Hook stuff to outside the, the state and then use their regular brewery for contract brand. It just makes me sound like, or makes it sound like that that facility is not going to be around. I mean, I'm guessing they're going to end up selling that facility to, to Paps eventually. So I be, hope not. <laughs> it'll be it's another not, Paps. At least right now they still have the pub attached, you know, that they'll still have the beer. Yeah, so that's what they said. They're they're working on are they working on a new pub area or is it the same pub they had before? Uh they're opening an, a new pub uh in Seattle proper, in okay. Capitol Hill. Area. Okay. So Yeah, so I don't know. It, 
like like I mentioned before, it seems like you know Red Hook. It it's not the brewery it was back in the in the late '80s, early '90s. You know when you went to get that Red Hook uh, extra special bitter, uh, that beer was powerful. And as we did our tasting on the show a year ago, that power wasn't as powerful as I remember it back in the day, right? Now, maybe my palate has changed, but I think the beer changed, made it more drinkable to more people than what it was back in the early 90s when that thing was a bitter bomb. I mean, that was, it was, it was a bitter beer and I, and I liked it for it. Uh, so. Yeah. The one thing I'm curious about is, you know, they, they do still do, things for the pub or at least they did uh you know to that were you know different from their standard line they yeah. have some one-offs and things and so i'm gonna guess that that's gonna go away now um unless they are brewing it up over at the capitol hill brewery and sending it over well um, yeah maybe they're yeah but, uh, yeah we'll have to see I don't know. Maybe they're going to contract their beers out to someone else to brew. <laughs> Maybe they'll have Ruben's brew brewed up for him. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, guess what, John? It is that time where we have to say goodbye. We've run out of content to talk about, and we don't want to just ramble on about beer forever. These guys got work to do. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, and give our our toast to whoever we like to give toast to today. All right, so I'm going to raise my glass to Chris McKenzie. Um, mentioned earlier, he's supporting me, but more than that, <laughs> more than that, he's brewing beer. Oh! Uh, he homebrewed a beer and he just put it in bottles, so I'm looking forward in uh, you know a week or so to uh, hear how it turned out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I get him uh, hooked on this. Yeah. So. Yeah, so what did he brew? Do you know? Uh, I didn't see the style. I'm not sure if you posted it or if I missed that one. Okay. Um, I'm, I've been off social media. I'm just starting to get back in the swing of things. So, um, I, I don't know, but hopefully it's good. Okay. Excellent. Well, hey, I have to raise my glass to Chris too for, uh, for brewing beer. It's going to be great. I can't wait to, uh, to hear how it turns out and maybe get a bottle or two when you, you know, if he's generous enough to send us, you know, our way, which, you don't have to, Chris. Don't worry. It's okay. All right. Well, you know, I have a couple toasts to give. I want to give one to a fellow podcast, a podcast I enjoy listening to every week. It's called That's Entertaining, and it features Nathan Thomas. He's the owner of that uh, that brand. And this week, they release a show with my with our buddy Jason Lacey from the Flexipose podcast, who's also a great another great podcast to listen to if you like uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, it was on the the t the Netflix series Stranger Things. Now, John, have you had a chance to watch Stranger Things yet? No. Oh wow. Um, yeah, I, you know everybody's been talking about it. Uh, I we were on Netflix and flipped past it, and I mentioned to Chris, and everybody's talking about this show. She says, "Well, from the pictures, I don't think I want to watch it." <laughs> so I may I may have to strike out on my own on that one, but. I didn't want to to watch it and then get in trouble for watching it without her. Yeah, so, yeah. I think I've I think I've been given the green light. Okay, okay. So, um, for you, you know, and Kristen being you know a younger generation, uh, it, it may not it may not hold as much, uh, you know, interest because it's all based in the early '80s. 
And but it's it's based off of the early eighty movies like uh things, uh homages to different movies that went on in the eighties. And I'll tell you what, Sarah and I we we watched it this weekend and we literally watched all it's only eight episodes long. We watched all eight episodes in one weekend and we just wanted to watch one after another because it was really good and caught our interest. So Stranger Things is great and uh that's entertaining. If you if you have watched Stranger Things, then I recommend Going and listening to uh, Nathan's podcast, and and uh, him and, Jay- and Jason do a great job of breaking. D- Ooh, I said it, uh, beer wasn't too carbonated, but now I'm burping it up, so maybe it's more carbonated than I thought. But uh, or maybe I'm just talking too much. That's probably it too. But, no comment. Uh, yeah, but they do a great jo- <laughs> they do a great job of of breaking down some of the key aspects of the series, and uh, and and it was fun. And not only that, but at the end of the show. There was an Easter egg at the end of their podcast where they shouted out Tata Craft. And it was uh, it was funny because uh, poor Nathan pulled something I would do, you know, get in the middle of a shout out and then forget who you're shouting out. But he remembered you, John. He knew John Ream, but he says, who's the, who's the other guy? Who's the other guy that I'm trying to think of? And he couldn't remember me. So uh, that's hey, got to be a first. You're, you're, you're a mem- <laughs> you are a memorable guy, John. Just want to let you know that. Uh, that uh, people remember you from the show. All right. But, hey, I'm raising my glass to both those guys anyway. Two great podcasts. Go out and listen to both of them. Uh, and uh, cheers to you guys. And I got to raise my glass to my buddy Sean. My, uh, he and I have been hanging out lately, drinking good beers. In fact, he was the one that uh, brought over that 10-barrel uh, Jamaican me pumpkin uh, to share and, uh, of course, we drank a bunch of beers at his place. He drank a bunch of beers at my place over the last few weeks, and we've really been having a good time. So cheers to you, Sean. Thanks for being a, a great pal. And, of course, you know I won't end the show without raising my glass to our military men and women out there who are protecting our freedoms. Without that, John, you wouldn't be able to go camping. Uh, I wouldn't be able to drink beer and go out to the bar and have fun. We wouldn't be able to do the podcast. It's our freedoms. Everything that we enjoy are brought to us by the men and women out there protecting them. So cheers to you guys. Come home safely soon to your families. You can find the beers and a link to the article that was mentioned in the show in our show notes. And the show notes are found on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be followed on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped. At Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, tap Prime WA. And if you want to hear about the barrel, homebrewengineer.com. It's oh, yeah. full. Woo! It's all about the barrel. So, yeah. yeah. All right. You hear all about my uh, ordeal of getting it filled. Oh! <laughs> okay, I got to visit. Tomorrow I'm going to visit the site. I won't forget. I keep forgetting. You are the homebrew engineer. I can't forget to visit the site and read about yeah. the barrel. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, hey, it is Last Call, and it is time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show. We ask you to please tell a friend about our show and subscribe on iTunes, Stitch Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Hashtag Team John. Hello, friends and fellow craft beer drinker. <laughs> Let's go. 
All right, let's uh, take two. You okay? This should be... <laughs> Adam. All right, I was fact-checking. I was going to go into the comments. I was like, wait. No, it's top. Um, well, no, it's top. It is, it's, a, it's, an it L, it's an yeah. L use. That's like, so what I was going to talk about. L- yeah. That's the key I, I to get, this. That's the I whole threw key. Myself, yeah, I threw myself <laughs> off by reading the the end of the sentence first, even though I know what Ekolsh is. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Maybe that's the problem. Still, Did you use the wrong yeast? Still, still foggy, man. <laughs> no, I, I use the right yeast. <laughs> all right. Ugh. Oh, see, luckily I gave you all the small sections this time. Yeah. Do you want to do this one now, or do you want me to keep going? Are you gonna? Are you? You can keep going if you want. Now, now that I just corrected you. <laughs> yeah. No, all right. All right. I gotta get my beer still. Well, really, we're starting it right away because they they're not gonna sit through this while we go get our beer. Well, I'll make this. I'll make a determination if I want to cut that out or not. You just put in some elevator music. Yeah. <laughs> put in some beer music. Some uh, some uh, Oktoberfest music. There you go. <laughs> All right. I'll be back in a minute with my beers. Sounds good. You take a while. Yeah, I had to walk all the way downstairs. <laughs> all right, you're back then. You, normally, I'm waiting for you. Yeah. I was waiting for you to ask if I was back so I could say no. I was, I was waiting to hear if I could hear you come back. I just started breathing in the mic. Uh, hey, <sighs> hey, earlier at the beginning of the show, <laughs> were you uh, undoing Legos again? I may have picked up a Lego. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Nah, it's okay. I don't care if there's noise in the background. But if we hear any, if we have any listeners that care, then I'll send them your way. Hey, that's Team yeah. John. That's Team John with the noise in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, all my, well, not all, but a bunch of my Lego Dimension stuff is on this table too. Uh, and I picked up the Batmobile, and then I accidentally knocked the base off. So then I. I put click- it back on. Okay. Okay. No, it's okay. It's okay.